0: They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Revoid. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. This is Making It, the show about people starting a business, trying to get their great idea developed, or transitioning to entrepreneurship. We also visit with the experts that have information about avoiding the pitfalls when starting your new business. So now, as a business person, we're all just trying to be making it. Indeed, we all are trying to be making it in business and we have some interesting things to talk about today with regard to whether or not you really want to be a business person, whether or not you really want to be an entrepreneur, and whether or not you have the tools that it takes to be an entrepreneur. This is Pete Peters. This is Making It. It is November 2nd, 2012 and uh we're getting ready to have this little conversation today about uh entrepreneurship and whether or not um you have things that you take in your tool have in your toolbox that you can be. An entrepreneur, and my guest today is Mr. Martin Zwilling. Martin Zwilling is a an expert in the field of entrepreneurship. Uh, he is a part of an angel investor group. Uh, he knows what to look for when he's looking for entrepreneurs. And Martin, welcome to the Boomer, uh, Boomer and the Babes version of making it.
1: Well, thank you. It's great to be here, and uh, you know I always enjoy the opportunity to spread the message a little bit. You know, I, I certainly. I am lucky in having had myself a good career uh, starting way back in IBM, but uh, now spending a lot of time with uh, young entrepreneurs and older entrepreneurs. And In fact, uh, I was particularly impressed with this show because I find that there are more new entrepreneurs in the uh, 50-plus category these days than there are in the under-30 category. So uh, it's a very popular arena.
0: So in, in your days when you were in business, and we were talking prior to the show that uh, you worked for such places as IBM and so on and so forth, uh, at, at how did that or did that in some way, shape, or form uh, contribute to the fact that you're now involved with entrepreneurship? Uh, and what was it that sparked your interest?
1: Well, there were many things. Uh, the, the reality is that uh, – very few people have had uh, the luxury, we'll say, of working both for big companies and startups in their career. And so if they're trying to start a new company, they actually don't have all the tools that they might have had if they had uh, worked in a bigger company. For example, I I was uh, received training in how to be a manager and how to deal with people, training in various aspects of the business. When you start your own business, there's nobody gonna give you this training. It's it's kind of jump in with both feet. So that's actually a tremendous advantage. Uh in fact a lot of people who do work for big companies really can't make it in a startup because they may get too focused on uh, you know, a niche or a vertical aspect or a specific job. So I think there's both sides to that story. I personally uh found the kind of the bug for entrepreneurship when working for IBM in the uh, personal computer business. I was uh, lucky enough to be one of the original team that built the IBM personal computer back in the 80s and, and in fact, uh, worked with some real uh, famous people like uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. But also I recognized at that time that not doing everything in your company, for example, IBM had always done pretty much everything but actually going out and working with a lot of other uh people and developers was really the wave of the future and so that's where I really got started.
0: Are are there certain um attributes you think uh a successful entrepreneur has, a potential entrepreneur? Uh is it a case where you can look at somebody and say, "Aha, uh-huh, that guy's got what it takes." or that woman's got what it takes, or is it something that's developed and learned?
1: Well, I do think it can be developed and learned, but uh, you know, we all, whether we're right or not, uh, actually look at people for a few minutes. I look at people for a few minutes, talk to them, and I already think I know whether they're going to have a tough time or whether they're cut out to be an entrepreneur. There are certain attributes, and, and it, these are not uh, rocket science. These are... Uh, things like confidence, self-confidence, and in and, and what I call common sense, just the the ability to uh, tackle any situation and figure out on your own, using the resources you have, whether it's the Internet or your friends or books, to figure out what has to be done. Uh, I'll give you an example. I, I uh, About three or four years ago, one of the uh, dignitaries here in, in this town said, well, I think we're going to start... To offer some people who had been laid off because it was tough economic times the opportunity to be entrepreneurs. And so he called a meeting, and I thought this was a little bit bold, but I went to the meeting and there were maybe 20 people around the table. And as he went around to ask each one to introduce themselves, you could tell very quickly which ones were probably in the right category and which ones were not. Uh, for example, uh, I remember a lady who said, well, you know, I've, I've always done this job in accounting, and uh, so, but who's going to, when I start my business, I need somebody to, to write a business plan for me. I need somebody to tell me how to do this and tell me how to do that. That's not a good sign. You know, uh, another person said, hey, I've been uh, chomping at the bit for years to go out and do my own thing. and I already have this done and that done, and I know I can do this. That's a good sign. Those are the people that you want to really support and we'll probably get a real business going.
0: Uh, confidence uh, is uh, self-confidence as is a, is a great, uh, great stepping stone, isn't it, to being successful in your startup?
1: It's absolutely required because <clears throat> the fact is that starting any business is tough, and so it's unknown. You're going to have setbacks, and if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe you can overcome uh, any obstacle, uh, you're going to be beaten down into the ground very quickly and so you really need to believe now of course that has to be based in some uh, reality in other words uh, you have to be willing to accept facts you have to be willing to do research you can't just be a dreamer that says okay i'm just i believe in this and so it's going to happen it doesn't happen by itself
0: right uh uh, deborah and i enjoy watching uh, uh shark tank on tv and, and some of the folks that come to the to those um, investors with ideas, you just we shake our head and we go, "Boy, this is not a good thing." <laughs> <You know>? And <laughs> other and, and, and others come and you say, "Wow, this 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 person's really got it together." So there, I agree with you. There is a, a very much an appreciable difference, and you can spot it real quick,
1: real quick. And in fact, I love that show myself. Uh, uh, other than the fact that I don't have a billion dollars, I sort of fancy myself <laughs> as being on on the side with the uh, money people because I'm, I'm actually active in uh, a couple of angel investor clubs, and so I ask those same questions. And and uh, you know, uh, as you point out, uh, it's pretty obvious sometimes uh, which people have what it takes and who doesn't have what it takes. And and I always. Cringe when I watch that at uh, some of the mistakes that people make, you know, mostly inadvertently. And so what I do really is, as a as my business is coach uh, entrepreneurs who are getting ready to go forward for funding to venture capitalists or angels, and and I try to prevent them from making all the mistakes that uh, we see on that show and and having in their mind answers to every possible question that an investor might ask.
0: I think one of the first things that somebody has to have uh, is, is the motivation, and you have to realize what your motivation is. That's uh, I, one of the the points that you sent me along that you that you look for in people. Uh, talk a little bit about motivation and how motivation can uh, help you, and how motivation, frankly, may not be the best uh, the best indicator because you may be motivated improperly.
1: Yes, it's a very, very important area. And, in fact, uh, connected to that is what is a problem that you're solving? I, I always try to prompt entrepreneurs to say, think about a problem. Uh, don't think about a solution. Uh, a lot of people have what I call a solution looking for a problem. They've come up with some new technology, and they say, well, there must be a, a, a useful uh, way I can sell this. That's a solution looking for a problem. They need to focus on the problem, and the more painful it is, uh, the more likely it is you're going to be able to uh, get people to buy your solution. On the other hand, some people just say, well, I think I'm going to start a business because I'm kind of bored or because I don't like my boss or because I have this, as I said, new technology that I'd like to to uh, make popular. Uh, and so that kind of uh, uh, motivation uh, of solving a problem, uh, say, making the world a better place uh is is very important as opposed to saying i just want to do something different that that's not good motivation.
0: Well that's you know it's it's interesting you you talk about those types of things and that's kind of how this pro, this uh, internet program got started. I mean it, it was it's been over 5 years now and and we started something called Business talk with Peters and Brown, and we were going to be talking about business, obviously by the name of of what it was that we were doing, and one thing led to another, and we ran into some very young people that were supposedly wanted to go to were going to go to work for us and represent us in the marketplace and uh, they were more concerned with how much money we were going to pay them as a retainer, uh, skin in the game. They wanted to have us with skin in the game. And I said to them, you know, here's the deal. i have got more skin in more games, than you even realize games uh, exist. Uh, I'm going to pay you a substantial amount of money on a percentage basis to go out and, and, and find me some business. And my skin in the game is the fact that I've got an outlet that i 'm paying for, so that we can do this programming, well, one thing led to another, and we didn 't go anywhere with that thing and By the time we were done with the conversation, Deborah and I were so flustered and frustrated with those folks that we said we got to deal in our own age group, and therefore we became the group the boomer and the babe, and changed our entire format. We still talk about business as. As witnessed by what we're talking about today, but it is only a part of what we talk about. We talk about travel, and uh, we talk about retirement. And I'm going to have somebody on on the afternoon, on the late morning show today. We're going to be talking about Social Security and Medicare, uh, all Boomer-related topics. Topics that Boomers are related in, and it it's absolutely broadened our horizons, and it's, and I think, become something that's very, very beneficial to our age, our age group. Uh, whereas before it was very narrow-minded, our motivations were good, I think, but our direction was bad.
1: <laughs> well, it, that's a—it actually is another lesson that uh, I try to emphasize, and that is to, you know, first of all, think outside the box a little bit, but also think within the domain that you know. You know, some people uh, are very quick to say, "Well, it looks like I can make a lot of money," uh, you know, selling. Uh, Ornamental iron or something, and they know nothing about that business. It just looks like uh, the people that are in it are making money, and so they say, I'm going to jump in that as well. That's a bad move. There is no business that is so simple that what you see on the outside is indicative of what the real business is. Uh, uh, You're much better off taking what you love and what you understand, uh, extrapolating that into maybe some new and creative, innovative areas. That's uh, a great opportunity. and and everyone should look for their own. A lot of people approach me because I'm I'm, uh, published uh, pretty broadly on Forbes and and write a blog every day, say, what's a great idea to start a new business? And and what I really have to say is a great idea is what you think a great idea might be. It's certainly not what I think it could be because you're probably not interested in the same things that I'm interested in. So don't let anybody else tell you uh, how to run your business.
0: Yeah, if you if you were to say, oh, uh, studying the uh, the deep sea life of sea urchins would be a great business, and the guy says, I don't even know how to swim. I mean, it, it's a uh, it, it's a different uh, it's a different type of, uh, of circumstance that you you have to be able to work within your capabilities as well.
1: Absolutely, and and uh, you you have to enjoy. That aspect of it, in other words, uh, feel like you 're learning something, feel like you're contributing something, uh, but you also have to and uh, my whole message, I guess is that uh, you have to temper everything with some reality for example i I worked with a lady uh, two or three years ago who who actually loved ornamental iron. I mentioned that earlier, but she she had put this around her house and she liked the best of the best, in other words, it was uh, artistic uh, expensive. And and she loved it so much she couldn't understand why everyone wouldn't love it. Uh, So she decided to invest a lot of money, actually, into building a facility that would uh, create uh, these masterpieces for your windows and so forth. And she found out, unfortunately, too late, that uh, not everybody loved it to the degree that they would pay that price for it. And uh, so she ended up losing a lot of money, and she never understood why... This didn't uh, excite everyone as much as it excited her, and so a little market research, uh, a little uh, uh, testing of the market, uh, getting customer feedback—all of those things are very important toward uh, long-term success.
0: Well, I think one thing that an entrepreneur or a prospective entrepreneur, or small business person, has to realize is what I what I say about um, going out and making contacts with people. Uh, and that you, you go out and you talk to them about your great idea, you talk to them about how they might be able to purchase from you or whatever the case might be. And as you say, maybe not everybody is really as enamored with your product as you are. And the, the, what I say then to that situation that I tell people is, some will, some won't, so what next? It's 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 a repetition thing. you got to keep doing it. you got to keep, as I put uh, the word is grinding. You have to put your shoulder to the wheel. Uh, you you can't take no for an answer, uh, at, at least to some extent, uh, and you have to be willing to accept it. Not everybody thinks your idea is the greatest idea, and they're going to partake of it. Right.
1: And, you know, that's, that's always the case. You know, just because, uh, you know, you believe in something, uh, maybe a new technology, doesn't mean that, Everyone believes it. Like, I'm a, I'm personally a pretty high-technology kind of person. I love technology, but I recognize that my wife, for example, is afraid of technology. And so, you know, if it's high-tech, she avoids it. Uh, she probably wouldn't buy it as a, a negative rather than a positive, whereas I would go the other way. I'm an early adopter kind of thing. So you have to then judge how big is your market uh, who are you selling to, and and who will it appeal to? Then try to figure out how much they'll pay. Otherwise, you don't have a business model. You know, I, I get a lot of people who come to me who say, "Wouldn't it be great if uh, you know we had, uh, for example, something that will cure hunger in this world?" I have this new algae. This is a kind of a popular thing these days. I can grow algae, and and uh, it's got all kinds of positive attributes for feeding people and so i'm going to cure hunger and i say well it sounds really great but who's going to buy it because the people that are the most hungry probably don't have any money and and so you know you have to be sensitive to the realities of the marketplace as well as to you know uh long-term interests and so forth
0: Uh, what kind of preparation what does somebody have to be prepared for if, there's, if they're starting a business? I mean, they say, I'm got to go start this business and whatever. What are what are some things that you have to think about and be prepared to accept uh, as far as the marketplace is concerned?
1: Well, I think most importantly, you have to recognize that a business needs a lot of people. Uh, it needs customers, obviously. It needs vendors. It may need investors, lenders. And, and in fact, you have to deal with all these people. Sometimes I find that that uh, there's a class of people called inventors. These are the kind of traditional uh, people who say, I can invent anything or I have spent 30 years inventing. But they may not be the people who like to deal with people or like to deal with business, the realities of business, like accounting or legal issues. So uh, most importantly, I think you have to realize when you start a business, It's not just you. You can't be a lone ranger. You're you're not going to be in control of everything that goes on, that you have to deal with the realities of taxation, of uh, accounting, of uh, attracting customers. And and so uh, think about all of those things. Again, this is not rocket science, but it does take more effort than some people think in terms of uh, uh, am I in control or am I going to be able to convince people to to buy my product.
0: Well, and a lot of people in business uh, have, or let's put it this way, a lot of people that are not in business have the perception of people that are in business saying, wow, he's got all the freedom in the world. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, it's amazing, you know. Like, you just think, if I could do that, it, it's a little different, isn't it?
1: It's definitely different. I, that's a very common Misconception. I think they say, well, I've been working in IBM, let's say, uh, all these years, and there's always this boss, and I'm tired of having a boss. I want the freedom to do exactly what I want to do. Well, you have to remember that if you start a business, you don't have absolute control, especially if you say, okay, I'm going to have an investor who's given me $100,000 or whatever. Uh, you might find he's a lot tougher boss than any you ever had in business because you're you're spending his money, and he really wants to... Understand and, and maybe even control a little bit how it gets spent. So that level of control is probably, you know, a, a misconception uh, that you need to have the ability to take control, but not just go willy-nilly in whichever direction you like.
0: Well, uh, if people if people think of themselves as being able to escape and be on their own. Um, uh, and I don't have to deal with all these people here at work, uh, you know, uh, aside from maybe you mentioned the boss versus the investor. But, I mean, this guy sitting next to me in the cubicle next to me, I don't have to deal with this kind of guy. He's hes, a, he's an agitator. He's just always in a negative frame of mind and he rubs me the wrong way and the whole nine yards there and the yangs and the yangs. Um, it really is not escaping all of that just by being in business either, is it?
1: No, it, you know, it, you trade it in you trade in one set of uh, challenges for another set, and maybe you have customers that are uh, yin and yang and, and very demanding. You know, there's a, the the rule in business that the customer is always right, which means sometimes you have to swallow hard and, and uh, agree or do what you can, even though you feel the customer's way out in left field somewhere. Uh, some people can't do that, and uh, they don't have the patience to do it or they don't have the, the attitude to do it. That's definitely something to think about. You know, as we get older, sometimes we get a little set in our ways and we're a little less tolerant of others. So uh, I always say patience and tolerance is a virtue that uh, hopefully you can use for a long, long time because you need it.
0: Well, it goes back to your elementary school days when you would get the – your parents would get your report card and it would say, works well with others. Uh, (laughs) You have to work well with others.
1: Right. I think there's there's also the, this aspect of uh, a business is yours. In other words, the buck stops with you. There's no longer any excuse to say, well, that's not my job, uh, or I go home at 5 o'clock and don't think about it anymore. It's it's a little bit like uh, raising a child where even though you don't really want to be 24 by 7, it is a 24 by 7 job in the sense that something can go wrong that can demand your attention. You do have to figure out how to do family balance. In other words, uh, people don't succeed if they try to do their job 24 hours a day, but they have to be sensitive to the fact that there is nobody else ultimately who's going to step in and make a decision or solve a problem than you as the job or the business owner.
0: And really your decision affects more than just yourself. It affects affects anybody that's... I said, infection. Really, that's probably true too. Uh, <laughs> it, it affects anybody that's uh, in your in your sphere, in your sphere of influence. People in your household, family, friends, possibly. Uh, it's, it it touches them all, based on the fact of uh, whether or not you're getting things done in your business the way you'd hope to.
1: Absolutely, it's it's a lifestyle. In other words, uh, you know, the, some people say, well, I I'm going to adopt a lifestyle of uh, uh, of leisure, maybe they're going to play golf. Uh, that's a lifestyle, but if you run a business, you may be able to play golf, you may be able to take vacations, and you must be able to balance with your family, but you have to remember that uh, running the business is your lifestyle, and, and there are certain pluses and minuses that come with that.
0: Uh, I often said uh, to Deborah uh, you know, through the years as we've been working on our own, uh, I find it easier myself. If I have a place to go to, I mean, it's my it's my business, it's, it's our business, whatever it is, but I find it easier to get up in the morning, get dressed, and go to a place rather than just walk into the other side of the house to my office where I might be in there in my sleepwear. Uh, and and working, it it sets a a little bit of a different tone. Do you find that to be the case, or do you just have to be more disciplined? I
1: I think the truth is it's an individual kind of thing, maybe a learned kind of thing. I have to admit I'm a little bit in your category. I always uh, went to work, and, and in fact, now I have my office in my home, uh, maybe like you do. and, And, in fact, that's a transition that took a while for me to adopt And adapt to. I think a lot of the younger people uh, start the other way. They're they're less willing to go to work in the traditional sense, and they're more uh, thinking about having a a leisurely kind of uh, office, meaning a home environment or whatever. So, part of it is culture. Part of it is our culture as Americans. I think have been go to work kind of culture, but it's changing. I do believe it's changing to be more focused on. Uh, both a an informal style at work. When I started with IBM, everybody wore a tie and everybody wore a suit. But uh, now that's almost unheard of in any business. Uh, so, you know, the culture is changing. We have to adapt. And the new people coming up, the younger people coming up, will be the first to adapt
0: well i think a lot of these younger folks uh because of the nature of of work nowadays it having uh it being much more in many instances a service uh type of uh, industry uh we're doing a lot a lot of Transition from manufacturing to service, and everybody's involved in service to some degree, I think now, Uh, service can be conducted from your office behind the steering wheel of your car, and and it is, I mean, with all your mobile devices and whatever else. I mean, you could be anywhere, pull off somewhere and look something up on the Internet, whatever the case might be, and um, uh, so it really is a different work environment nowadays, I think, uh, than what it used to be not that long ago.
1: Yeah, you're right. In fact, I should have mentioned that it's 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 a function of culture, but it's also a function of technology. You have the technology now to be able to get very high speed uh, access to data in your home, in your car, you know, uh, anywhere. So you don't need to be in the office where they have a T1 line or something to be able to do any given job. Uh and so that does facilitate a lot of options and and in fact, it's for me it's kind of fun to take advantage of some of these but for some people, it's very disconcerting to uh, uh, face a new kind of situation.
0: Well, and you mentioned that. It's interesting because uh, I have the capability of, for instance, going to a an event uh, at a different location. And if I have access to Wi-Fi, I can pull up my computer. Uh, I have a cell phone. I can pull up the uh the conversation that we're having on the, basically a phone line right now uh, and have all that in front of me and have no connection to the outside world unless maybe they have some electricity so I could run a cord so I make sure my batteries don't run down. And that's that's the extent of it. I mean, other than that, I completely, I'm completely i completely independent. And to some degree, as long as my batteries are fully charged and, and i got a lot of power and a lot of juice in them, I could, I could be out in the middle of nowhere as long as I could get Wi-Fi and cell phone connection. I can, I can do this radio show, talking to the cows in the field.
1: Well, I think it's great, I, and I find that uh, it, it facilitates for me the uh, opportunity to travel. We try to travel uh, around the country to visit relatives and that kind of thing, and I can do writing from anywhere. I can do this radio show from anywhere. I can do my business in terms of talking to clients uh, essentially from anywhere. They know They need not know where I physically am at any given point in time because of the technology.
0: That's true that's true I, and and I do talk to people all over the all over the uh the country and um some places, sometimes sometimes uh, ac- across the globe that are on this show and and it really is it really is great to be able to do that and it wasn't that long ago that we couldn't do that either so uh martin i want to take a a quick two or three minute break here i've got some uh I've got some messages that we like to play about halfway through so let me do that and we'll be uh right back with more conversation.
1: Okay, I'll be here.
0: The Boomer and the Babe are the publishers of Boomer Series books. Our authors have their own shows on the Boomer and the Babe Network. We encourage you to listen. Ron Naraki, author of the forthcoming book, The Ten Commandments of Investing, is the host of Wealth DNA, a financial show about real estate investment. Learn how to build and manage your portfolio. Ron hosts the show and he always has good information to pass along as do his guests. Listen to Wealthy DNA on the second and fourth Monday of the month at 8 a.m. Arizona time. Tom Liggering's another Boomer series author. His book, Success or Failure, The Choice is Yours, is the basis of the show he does with his broadcast partner, Dr. Terry Munther. Listen to Success or Failure with Tom and Terry on the fourth Wednesday of every month at 9 a.m. Arizona time. Learn how you can maximize your performance in business and in life. The methods you employ can either help or hinder. Before you book your next round of golf in Arizona, go see what golfers just like you are saying about the courses you want to play
1: at golfmix.com. While you're there, write a review of the last course you played and get $10 off your next purchase at Vans Golf Shops and enter into our Greenskeeper of the Year contest for a chance to win a foursome at the home of the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the stadium course at TPC Scottsdale. So check out Golfmix, Arizona's leading golf course review site and mobile app. What are you waiting for? Yeah, at GolfMix.com.
0: The Boomer and the Babe are proud to be affiliated with Valley View Community Food Bank, where the food is always free. Valley View is now serving Phoenix from their new 36,000-square-foot location at West Peoria and 107th Avenue in Sun City, Arizona. The new location houses the Food Bank, Feeding Arizona, and the Valley View Thrift Store. Feeding Arizona delivers food to other food banks and food pantries that are in need. If you're looking for a 501c3 to support, go to valleyviewcommunityfoodbank.com. All donations are welcome, be it food, money, or volunteer hours. No donation is too small. Get a hold of Jesse Ramirez, founder and director, and say, I want to help. Valley View Community Food Bank, where the food is always free. And we are back. You're listening to Making It on November second, 2012. Making It is the radio show here with the Boomer of the Bay Productions, all about small business and business and what you need to be doing to have a successful small business. My guest today is Mr. Martin Zwilling, and Mr. Zwilling Zil- Mr. is an expert in the field of entrepreneurship and what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. And uh, Martin, we were talking about uh, several of these topics as far as entrepreneurship before we had the uh, had the breaks. And I wanted to kind of get back into the discussion uh, with regard to does a person's past in other words if they've been in management or if they've been an employee in a corporate structure uh how does that or does that help them uh with regard to an entrepreneurial uh an, entre- an entrepreneurial startup
1: well definitely it helps and and i always recommend to an entrepreneur that he stick to his uh uh you know his his basic knowledge in other words if if you were if you had a career in insurance, then that's the place where you should be looking for a new opportunity. Don't don't strike out into something you know nothing about. And and certainly, everything you learned in that business about how to manage people or how to manage the business or the tools that are required or the nuances of the business is, is going to give you an advantage over potential competitors. So why not do it? If if you feel strongly that uh, you want to dump that and, and you want to strike out into a new area, I always say it never hurts to uh, practice a little before you start. In other words, maybe go to work for some other startup that's in that arena so that you can learn the ropes a little bit and then maybe strike out on your own. So that management experience, industry experience is very valuable.
0: And, the, and I think it helps develop um, uh, what I, what other people term as well as transferable skills. Uh, in other words, if you are a sales motivated person, whether you enjoy selling, and now you're going to you're selling for IBM, and you're going to be doing something else uh, that may be somehow related to technology, but you still have to sell it. The fact that you have sales experience in one place, uh, the basic premise of the sales experience is probably the same, whether it be at IBM or in your own business. Uh, isn't it the case where a sale is a sale is a sale? Uh, regardless of what it is, the, the principles of good salesmanship are still the same, so that's transferable. And maybe that's the case also with management skills.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, those those are transferable, and uh, management skills are transferable. On the other hand, even for sales, you sort of have to know what you're selling. In other words, yeah. uh, if you, you step into selling, a product or a service that you never heard of—you uh, probably aren't going to be a good salesman. Uh, you may pick it up very quickly, and uh, that's what I'm suggesting is uh, a little practice might be uh, in line before you strike out and you know uh, dump your previous job and start a brand new one in, in an area that you don't understand.
0: Right, right. I I, I look at that uh, the way I kind of look at that is that's product knowledge. I mean, you have to know what you're selling. You have to know what it'll do, what it won't do, what the, what the uh, uh, what the possibilities of the product are, and so on and so forth. That that's a learned thing, but I mean, along the way you learn to sell, and if you know have the basic sales knowledge of the uh, the, the the structure of a sale, uh, you're probably going to be okay once you have the product knowledge learned. and And going somewhere else and learning it is an excellent idea. I I like that a lot. That's a, a great tip.
1: Sure. I think uh, certainly if you're a good salesman, that's a confidence indicator. And, and so that's what I'm looking for is something – you should do something you have confidence in yourself uh, and able to do, done before, whatever. And uh, it's certainly good to stretch yourself into some new areas. That's no problem. That will get you thinking outside the box. Uh, all of those are good things. That uh, Everything done in, in some moderation makes some sense, but uh, some people, uh, unfortunately – like to just kind of strike out uh, into the ether and and, uh, maybe they don't have a good path to go down and they probably aren't going to get to where they want to go.
0: I call that flopping around like a fish on dry land. Uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) um, Talk to me a little bit about uh, a startup entrepreneur and that person having a network, uh, the importance of a network, and... um, what happens if they don't have any kind of a network? Because they've been sitting at a desk in a in a cubicle for a long while, focusing on one little task, uh, as it may although it may not be a small task, but one task in in a major corporation, and they don't really get in, out and in, and network in the world. Uh, but what is the benefit of having a network or establishing a network before you get started?
1: I think it's tremendously important, and and in fact. Uh, it's really not that hard to network. I can say that personally. I, I'm a, a sort of an introvert, so networking isn't a natural thing for me. In other words, I, I don't uh, work parties uh, to meet all the people. But I did find, as I moved into Phoenix area, uh, didn't know anyone really, that uh, there are, in whatever areas you're interested, uh, let's say you're into manufacturing, there are manufacturing business associations, there's a uh, you know, chamber of commerce, there are universities that have uh, needs for people and opportunities for you to meet other people that you just simply need to start, you know, force yourself to get out a little bit. It doesn't mean you have to go work every party. It just means that you have to make an effort to actually meet someone. What I found is that people who know what's going on and know what happens in a given industry are more than willing to share. They're more than willing to share. In other words, uh, you could probably drop a quick email to almost anyone that's in a position of, of uh, competence and, and ask for an opportunity to meet for coffee or, or for some advice, and they will offer themselves uh, quickly. That uh, you know, we all love to talk about what we know. We all love to help people, and so uh, networking really isn't that hard. It's just something that you have to do, like uh, learning to add two and two. You have to learn to do that, otherwise you're not going to get through this world.
0: Well, if, uh, I kind of look at it this way, uh, real real simple. You, you have your business plan. You have everything to put together. Uh, you've got a box of 500 business cards, and now you have to find somebody to give those business cards to because uh, having them in the box thing in the drawer isn't going to do you any good at all.
1: <laughs> that's for sure, and uh, that's actually a good indicator of whether you've actually done anything is that, that box stays full. You probably haven't done it yet. Uh, you haven't gotten out to to uh, uh, spread the word. In a, in a sense, what you're talking about is marketing yourself and, and uh, marketing your business. Marketing these days is everything. Uh, some people think that's a dirty word, but the reality is the world is so... Overrun with information, it's it's information overload. So you have to come up with some way to get yourself uh, recognized, to get your business recognized. That's called marketing, and and it, it's not a dirty word. It's the only word that can get you above the rest of the flack.
0: Now there is a difference between marketing and sales, isn't there?
1: Absolutely, I, you know that's a that's something I learned in big businesses that uh, those two are totally different things and uh, there are many people who are experts on this i don't proclaim to be an expert but sales has to do with selling your product and marketing has to do with how to get people's uh, attention or or otherwise uh, find people who would be interested and then you send in the salesman to close
0: that's right uh, and then when you're talking about marketing, now you start talking about branding, and you talk about all kinds of other things, which is an entirely different show. Uh, and I know we're going to be covering it here at, at at some point in our in our series of of doing these things. Um, uh, as far as what every entrepreneur has to ask himself is is what is their honest relationship with money. You, you've indicated that as one of the important things that uh, that you think is uh, needs to be considered. Why is that?
1: Well, you know, it's it's amazing to me, uh, maybe because of my background, but I find people who really find it difficult to make financial decisions. They, they don't manage money well. You know, we have a bit of a financial literacy problem in this country, uh, people with credit cards that go crazy, and, and uh, otherwise maybe they uh, buy too many cars or houses or whatever. But the, the reality is that running a business requires that you manage money. And if you're uncomfortable managing money, like uh, if you're married to someone and your spouse manages the money and you don't touch it, you may not be the person to run this company, or at least you better bring her along or him along and and, uh, have them manage the money, because you do have to very much worry about, or not worry about, but plan for cash flow and for expenses Uh, I always say every CEO should sign every check. Uh, It's not a task that you should delegate to someone else because you need to understand what money is going out and and obviously what money is coming in as well. So if if you panic at spending money or you try to avoid financial risk at all costs, uh, maybe you should uh, try another business where you simply get paid for, for doing a job.
0: Not everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur. I do I do agree with that very wholeheartedly. Uh it's it's obvious, I think, in part, uh witnessed by the fact that so many small businesses and startups fail. Uh that's just I think that's probably because some people are maybe um, throwing a little against the wall, hoping it sticks out of desperation. And uh they just don't have really much of a chance to get to get it going in the first place because they're not cut out for that.
1: Well, that's what we're talking about. I mean, uh, you have to assess your own situation. Not everybody needs to start their own business. That's why there are thousands and millions of uh, service jobs that are out there. Uh, and and so you got to pick the spot where you fit. And, and uh, uh, we're all different. So there's lots of different spots out there. I'm looking for the people who are already interested in starting a business, and I'm trying to work with them to make sure they're successful, and I'm trying to be realistic with them in the sense of identifying things in maybe their style or their uh, background that may say, you might have a tougher job or a tougher uh, task to start a business than than somebody else. So understanding yourself is really the first requirement. Uh, if you can't understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and then deal with it, uh, you got a problem.
0: What does somebody's personality have to do with it? Uh, their personality style, the way they operate themselves, is, uh, that's got to be part of uh, successful entrepreneurship.
1: Well, that's actually a pretty simple thing. It, it, you need to have a uh, personality that is up rather than down. You know, some people are downers. They they're always complaining about things, or they're always looking at uh, the glasses half empty rather than half full those people are going to struggle in running a business. Uh, the personality that I'm looking for is a positive personality, one that has a smile, one that has a positive uh, perspective on the world, one that believes, as we've talked about many times, that they can do the job, and one that comes across then to all of their customers, their investors, anyone as can-do kind of person. That personality type is pretty much absolutely required. Uh, Otherwise, um, you should look for other alternatives.
0: How would you suggest that somebody um, examine the marketplace and and take a look at their competition? I I, I pretty much understand why that should be, but uh, do you have any tips on how they can do that?
1: Actually, I think the Internet is a godsend in that regard. It used to be in order to do what I call market research, you would have to go to the library and you'd have to find books on this industry and how what its growth opportunities might be. But now you can go to the Internet and you can say, you know, uh, I have this new device that I'm thinking about and you can find probably reports or uh, news articles that talk about the need for it or who's doing it and how big the market is. Uh, <clears throat> typically, you need... To look at that competition in the market from a third-party perspective, like I have people who come to me and say, "I've I've thought about this. I've talked to everybody I know, and uh, they all think it's a great idea." To me, that's not good enough. That's all kind of uh, hearsay almost. Uh, you really need to find somebody on the internet who has written, say, a, a market research report, uh, Gartner and Group. Uh, there are many of these formal. Organizations that sell big reports. Not saying you have to buy the report, but you can usually simply look at some kind of summary of that report, and you can see that this is a growing industry, and it has uh, you know size in millions or billions, and uh, that can give you the confidence you need to proceed.
0: Is it uh, advisable to say I want to be in the dog food business and? um, uh but there's a preponderance of dog foods out there i mean go to any pet store grocery store you can see all, hundreds of dog food type items uh is it is it smart to look at a particular industry and say what is the segment of that industry that i find still lacking is that something that uh, you recommend
1: Actually, uh, yes, <clears throat> look for a segment that isn't so occupied. But maybe more importantly, look for something that you bring to the table that isn't already out there. If you say, I can produce another dog food, maybe I can do it a little cheaper than they can do it, that's probably not good enough. You may say, hey, I I just realized that every dog loves, I don't know, the aloe vera plant or something, and nobody has ever figured that out before. I can, I can come up with a whole new line of uh, dog food that is, uh, proprietary in the sense that I own, uh, you know, a patent on this process. And uh, and in fact, I know it will attract every dog in the country. See, now you have an angle. You've got to have an angle. You, you know, to say, I can do it cheaper is a very hard business. You know, you run into people like Walmart who have millions and billions of uh, outlets. And so you're never going to compete with them in, in our lifetime. So you shouldn't probably tackle them directly. You'll lose. Uh, You've got to have a new angle. Uh,
0: what That kind of brings us down to uh, scalability. Uh, what is a test for scalability? But before we go there, why don't you explain to this, the listeners that may not uh, fully understand the word, what is scalability?
1: Scalability is, is the ability to just uh, spread the business. Uh, for example, if you are a, a marketer, and you know how to do marketing, it's a service, you do better than anybody, um, the only way you can scale that is to clone yourself, and that doesn't happen. So it's very hard to to scale or to spread a service, you could say. And I, I had a guy come to me very recently who's a great marketer, and he says, I want to start an office in every city in the country. That's scaling. And I said, wow, how, how are you going to do that? Well I I'll just tell these people how how I do it. Well, it turns out that uh that's very difficult unless you have a very clearly documented um, process and very unique process because a lot of what he does is in his head and it's 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 him. It's not uh you know an obvious thing. On the other hand, if you produce a product like dog food, as soon as you prove that it's great and people are buying it, you should sell it everywhere in the country everywhere in the world because uh it's always the same you can just manufacture it that's scalability uh
0: and uh, the, for the 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 party in the first part there that came came to you and says i uh, would come to you and say i am a great marketer uh i want to have a marketing office in every country in every city in the in the uh, country uh that almost sounds more like um Uh, franchising. Uh, What do you think?
1: Well, no, not really. The franchising, you have to have a process that is clearly documented. If we look at, for example, Colonel Sanders, who who did uh, chicken frying, uh, first of all, he had a process, his deep fryer kind of process, the way he pressurized it. I'm not uh, technically up to date on it, but he had a patent, I believe, on how it was done. He was able to write down exactly how to run each store. In other words, this is how it looks. This is how my logo is placed. These are the items on the menu. This is the way you cook it. And and he proved in one or two stores that this is a very good business. Then you say, okay, I'm going to franchise this, which is scaling it across the country where I'm going to open several of these. And anybody can run the store because they can follow the recipe exactly. Uh, In marketing, uh, you know, there are a few companies like Ernst & Young and some of these consulting companies who have grown and scaled their services business, which includes marketing, but they do it because they first are able to write down exactly what their formula is. You know, An Ernst & Young formula may say, we do audits, and so this is the way you do an audit. You do step one, step two, step three. We can train anyone to do these audits. That means we can scale our business. If the marketer wants to scale, he's got to be able to say, my process for doing marketing says step one, step two, step three, and I can train anybody to do it, and I'm prepared to train him then I, I would agree he's ready to scale. But in the case of the guy who came to me, he actually... Even though I tried to encourage him to figure out how to write it down, he's like, no, I can't write it down. I just do it. You know, I'm just the best at it. And he, he was great. There was no question about it. But until he could come out with a way to write it down, I wasn't convinced that it was uh, he was going to get any investment funding or that it was scalable.
0: We've touched on positive mindset and, and uh thinking positive and so on and so forth uh at at what point um does all the positive thought in the world and all the positive uh um pronouncements in the world uh just become it's just not enough uh because it's just not there what where where how how far do you go with that and say uh, yes, this is good, but it's not getting any further.
1: Well, I suppose there, there's a point
0: uh,
1: of uh, time to get out, but the reality is that more startups fail because the entrepreneur quits, just simply quits uh, out of frustration or, or uh, lack of that positive enough mindset than almost anything else. And I, I've heard many, many stories, uh, maybe the Colonel Sanders story is one, where a person just uh, never quits and, in fact, is willing to learn and adapt but never gives up, uh, has that positive mindset, and finally breaks through to a uh, an idea or an aspect uh, that makes money and becomes becomes a you know an overnight success, so to speak. I, I wrote once that uh, the average overnight success takes six years, and so don't expect it's going to happen overnight. But don't give up that positive mindset, and you probably can overcome almost anything.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I have a belief, and maybe you're going to tell me that I'm all wet, and if you do, that's okay. Uh, I, I think that as a small business person, an entrepreneur, that you have to be open to most things that are somewhere in your wheelhouse. In other words, I term it as being multiple streams of income. Uh, our company Boomer and the Babe Incorporated does this radio show we do several radio shows uh, and several radio programs we also publish mini books we publish e-books we do a little bit of consulting and so on and so forth uh, Deborah handles that side of the business uh, but it's all part of our brand uh, and we have to have I think the multiple streams of income because you never know when one is going to get be falling a little bit short uh, what is your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I, I think that's okay, but I do believe every company needs to focus on one. Every startup needs to have a kind of a lead, like maybe your lead is the radio show. Yes. Uh, and if, if that's a lead, then you can have all these other things. So if you're coming to me as an investor for money, uh, I like entrepreneurs that are focused uh, as opposed to saying, well, I have six different uh, revenue streams. Uh, this one, I can do this one, I can do this one, I can do that one. Then I say, nope, that that's not good enough. On the other hand, I love people who say, I do a radio show. At the same time, I can do six other things back here, and those can be uh, my lead someday in the future or whatever. That's what I call showing depth in your business as opposed to a one-trick pony kind of business. Right. So we like We like businesses that show depth. We don't like ones that try to broadcast all of those things at the same level at the same time because... You can't do everything. You will end up doing all things poorly if you try to do everything at the yeah, same can't, time. You
0: can't be all things to all people. Uh, That's right. Uh, yeah, and I, and I do agree with that. And then maybe I, I gave it a. A little bit of a mislead on on the way I explained it, but no, we do we do exactly that, as you witnessed by the fact that we had this uh, this commercial. And one of the things that was on that little spot that we did was the fact that we have show hosts, we have uh, people that are writing books for us, and they also have a radio show on our network, and that that's how we tie it all together. Um, we have have had other people that have had radio shows and have written books, and that's all that's all part of the package. But it all comes back to being on the internet radio show. Uh, that's all the that that's the anchor, if you will, uh, for for the brand is uh, is the Boomer the Babe show as it started originally, and now it's gone to these other topics. But nonetheless, it's it's the radio, it's the internet radio that is indeed the uh, the anchor of it, and and the rest of the things work off of that, and hopefully uh, make us a little bit more money in the background that uh, may not be right out front, but people say. Well, how did you come up with that idea? Well, I was on the Boomer the Babe show, and uh, this is what came of it. You know, uh, so that it, it always starts with a radio show.
1: Well, I think it, it's you know that that focus is very important, and and there's billions, millions of opportunities out there. You know, I, I think a lot of people forget that with the internet, the business is international. The, the world is a smaller place than it ever was. You know, uh, with with social media, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, the global recognition of the English language, I think you have tremendous opportunities, and everyone should think as they roll their business out about the implications in other countries uh, because that's where some cases uh, there's more revenue or there's more opportunity and there's more need. Uh, why not take advantage of it? You know, I I actually have learned tremendously and built my brand through uh, social media uh internationally I, I have 570,000 twitter followers for example which is a huge kind of opportunity for me to learn from around the world on what's happening uh in, in the entrepreneur world
0: well i tell you it, it is amazing what can be accomplished uh for a, a nominal fee really when you come to access, when it comes to accessing uh, everybody in, in around the globe—it's—it's uh, quite—it's become quite impressive, isn't it? It's all—it's all, it's, um, almost mind-boggling, <laughs> almost mind-boggling, huh?
1: Yeah, I think it is mind-boggling, and, and it, you know the 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 good reality is that starting a business these days has never been cheaper. It, it used to be to start a business just to get through the incorporation and uh, setting up some kind of a. An office and all these things would cost you several hundred thousand dollars. Now you can start a business for hundred dollars, and you can have a website which looks very professional around the world. It's visible and usable around the world, getting into e-commerce or or ability to send a message out or even provide a service. Uh, and so the opportunity for entrepreneurs has never been better or never been easier. Yet. All of these, you know, common sense kind of uh, issues that we've just discussed over the past period here are relevant. So it doesn't mean that uh, you should jump without thinking into this. You should use the skills, strengths that you have, take advantage of the worldwide opportunity. Uh, there's no reason that age should be a limit. It ought to be an advantage in the fact that you've got more experience, more skills, and, uh, you know, more understanding of the world.
0: And I like the uh, the words that you used uh, when you said common sense, because much of it is common sense, isn't it?
1: It's common sense and street smarts. I call street smarts another yes. aspect of it, the ability to uh, sense when you're in trouble or when you need to zig or zag uh, rather than simply close your eyes and charge straight ahead into a brick wall.
0: Well, if there's gunfire, you've got to know enough to duck behind something. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, Martin, I tell you, it's been a, a fascinating hour. It's gone by very, very quickly. As, uh, my clock seems to have just absolutely raced by. Um, before we uh, say goodbye, before I let you go, uh, I would like very much for you to uh, take the opportunity to give uh, any shameless self-promotion that you care to give, let people know how they can get hold of you, uh, whether you do seminars, uh, webinars, whatever it might be, please uh Uh, Afford us of all your information, please.
1: Well, I run a little company, basically myself, uh, called Startup Professionals, and my passion is really helping entrepreneurs who are, in fact, both very early stage thinking about a startup and uh, helping them decide whether it's the right thing to do, as well as maybe helping them do a business plan, uh, investor-grade business plan, or find Money, you know. In other words, I am not a broker, so I don't actually provide money. But I am a member of angel investment groups. So I do know a lot of investors, and I can help you optimize your opportunities in that area. Uh, I do publish every day on the internet uh, under blog.startupprofessionals.com an article that has, I hope, a little common sense. Uh, I also publish articles on Forbes and Huffington Post and uh, some other sources around the internet to. Give people some clues as to what investors are looking for, or what you should be looking for, in terms of finding a partner, finding a business opportunity, or finding uh, happiness. Because I think overall, my advice is: if if you're if you're really happy uh, uh, and you love doing what you do, you're likely to succeed. If if you're looking at business as something uh, which I call work in the negative sense that's probably the wrong direction. So uh, let me help you if I can. Uh, contact me through my website, startupprofessionals.com, or uh, on there is my uh, email address and my phone number. Feel free to give me a call.
0: Well, I will agree with what you said uh, with regard to work. Anybody can always go to work. Right. Uh, and And work is different than entrepreneurship. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, thank you very much, Martin. It's been a pleasure, as I said, talking to you. I, I hope we can have you back on through uh, for some of these other segments that we've got coming up for uh, for making it. And um, I appreciate your taking the time with me today.
1: Okay. Likewise, thank you for having me. And I uh, hope I've given out a few tidbits that can be useful and uh, call on me anytime.
0: Good information. Thank you again, sir. Take care.
1: Okay. You too. Thank you.
0: Uh, this has been... This has been Making It with Pete Peters, with a guest, Martin Zwilling. And Martin, uh, as he indicated, has been doing this type of thing now for quite some time and continues to do it and has been absolutely wonderful information. If you have a chance to go to his website, please do so. Lots of information. Read some of those blogs, all kinds of tips about entrepreneurship, business, and so on and so forth. So please take advantage of that uh, while you have... uh, the opportunity, when you have the opportunity to do it, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy what you read and get some great ideas. So with that, I'll be saying goodbye. We're going to be back at 11 o'clock Arizona time, uh, 2 o'clock East Coast with the Boomer and the Babe Show. Uh, Interesting guest today talking about Social Security and Medicare benefits. So uh, tune in for that if that's something that uh, you have a need to know more about. So please uh, uh, join us this afternoon or later this morning, depending on where you are. And we'll see you all later. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, everybody. You've been listening to Arizona Boomer Radio with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com.